Now, here's your host, that gravy soppin', crappie floppin', stump jumpin', bobble thumpin', gun totin', mater growin' son of a gun, the backwoods Baptist himself, Pastor Harold Smith. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Troy. Thank you, Troy, for that introduction. Thank you, Donnie, for playing a good intro. I believe that it's Sourwood that Donnie's picking there on the banjo. I want to welcome you to the Backwoods Baptist Podcast, where we talk about things in a very practical way. If you're looking for deep and rich theology, well, you might pick it up in here, but probably not in the way that you normally would. We talk about things in a real simple way, and this morning, or evening, or afternoon, or late at night, whatever time you happen to be listening, I want to talk to you about the language of my people. I want to talk about speaking in the language of the people that you're trying to reach. Now, this may seem obvious to you, and you may be uh, sitting there going, well, we're not speaking in tongues here. I understand that. But at the same time, what I'm seeing and what I have seen has been a problem in nearly every age. And it's always the people that want to drag out the big words. And they want to use big words and show everybody that they use big words. And one of the big problems that you have with educated preachers is they look and act educated. And uh, that's great if you're speaking to a bunch of educated people that want to hear a big educated preacher. But by and large, most people don't need to hear a 50-cent word to understand the Bible. And the Bible's not written with great big fancy words. Even in the original languages, it was written in a language that people could understand. We're dealing with a problem in our day where people are getting sidetracked and using big words and making a big deal out of other words. And I want to deal with all that. I want to get back to the way it was in the backwoods of America the way it still is today in the backwoods of America. I say that this is the Backwoods Baptist podcast for one big reason. I want Baptists to get back to being the kind of Baptists they were when they evangelized the entire country, planted churches, uh, shared the gospel with everyone, worked hard and labored hard to set churches back on the right track, taught people out of the Bible, and Christianity flourished and Baptists were at the forefront of that. We've gotten away from it. So the reason we have the Backwoods Baptist podcast is to get back to the way that we were built, the foundation in which we were built on. You say, well, what exactly is a Backwoods Baptist? It's just common folk with an open Bible looking at things with a fresh helping of common sense. And if your church ever has people that track in mud because they farm or work construction, there's a good chance you're backwoods Baptist too. So what do we mean with the problem in every age being big words? In every age, you've had educated people. Getting an education is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. I think everybody ought to have an education. It's when you start showing off your education, that's when the problem starts. And that's really what we're dealing with today. We live in a day where I think they call it the information age. You know, you, 
you're sitting here watching a redneck with a microphone in front of him on the internet, maybe listening to me on your phone or something like that. Even though this lower entry level practical information that I'm dealing out is available to you, so is a lot of deep information that you used to have to spend years in school learning from professors is all now right at your fingertips. And so people spend time online learning things and then they want to show the rest of us what they've learned. They want to use their great big words. They want to make a big deal and let everybody know that they're smart. And there are a lot of people, especially within Christianity at large, and I'll not mention their names out of fear of embarrassing them, but they're smart and they know it. And friend, that is the problem that we're dealing with, with many within Christianity, primarily among the preaching class is we're dealing with a bunch of educated people who want to show off their education. This is very easily seen when people spend their sermon time in the pulpit talking about Greek words and Hebrew words and spending all their time giving us illustrations and exhortations of Greek words. Now, look, I understand the Bible wasn't written in 1611 King James English. I understand most of the Old Testament written in Hebrew. I understand the New Testament was written in Konai Greek. That doesn't mean that I need a Greek lecture every time we preach. I know there are a few different Greek words for love. I understand that. It shouldn't take you more than a, a few minutes in your, or a few, few sentences in your sermon to say this is the Greek word philos that means brotherly love. This is agape, which means, you know, a, a deep, everlasting love, the kind of love that a mother has for a child. We get that. You don't have to give us 97 Bible verses and give us a lecture, a, a lecture in Greek for us to know that, okay, we believe you. For crying out loud, if you're a pastor preaching to the people that God gave you to, that the Holy Spirit gives elders to the church. And so if God gave you to a congregation and you've been regularly feeding them a steady diet of God's word, you don't have to get up like a Philadelphia lawyer and lay out for us what this Greek word means. We speak English. Both of us do. Give us the English equivalent and truck on. That's the problem that we're dealing with, with, with people who are giving Greek grammar lessons when they should have been preaching. I know that's an old cliche, but it's still true. And I think because of the internet, it's probably more so true today. But on top of the Greek grammar lessons that we get, and look, I've got a good friend, a dear brother, a, a great pastor that I highly respect. And he is ultra educated in the Greek language. But when he preaches, he's not up there giving a Greek grammar lesson. Matter of fact, if I have a Greek question, I call him. He's not up there giving a Greek grammar lesson, and you shouldn't either. So let's drop the Greek. Explain it. Say, hey, this word doesn't mean what you think it means. Explain it. Move on. But then here's another problem I'm seeing today. I'm seeing an overuse of the big words. The, the I call these ology words, words you learn in seminary. I'm talking about ecclesiology, soteriology, eschatology, um, numerology, all of those kind of ologies. Why don't we just say, we're going to study the doctrine of the church. We're going to study the doctrine of salvation. 
we're going to, we're going to study how the end times, last days, last things, these, I understand that you ought to, you know, tell your people, this is what it means, but I'm seeing within Christianity guys that just batting these words around in common conversation. And the average guy is sitting out here going, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't want and look, if you're a preacher and people don't understand what you're talking about, you stink as a preacher. You stink as a preacher. And if you're so commonly batting around these words that you don't take any thought to the people that are hearing me, do they understand what eschatology means? I will tell you my own self, the first time I ever heard a preacher say eschatology. He had already used a bunch of big words. He was way over my head. I wasn't paying much attention. And I heard eschatology. And I heard scat, scat. And I thought, is this a guy that studies like animal feces, animal dung? Like, cause I had saw something on like one of the kids shows on Saturday where they were seeing, you know, what all different kinds of poop look like. And I thought, okay, this is a guy that studies poop. And I was like, well, why does he keep talking about revelation? And I was like, oh, okay. I need to go learn another language so that I can learn what this language, this English word is that he's batting around. It shouldn't be that way. If you're dealing with a bunch of dummies like me, speak dummy. That's all I'm saying. We we know you're smart. We know you've went off to seminary. We know you've got a degree. We know you read a lot of books and you're really a nerd. But but talk to us in our own language. I was talking to a preacher friend of mine, Harold McMickle, just yesterday. And um he said something about the podcast and I said, well, you know, it's, he'd mentioned something about people using big words or whatnot. I said, well, the funny thing is tomorrow, my topic is the language of my people speaking in the common English language on a level that we can understand. And Harold made this great statement. He said, if what you're saying can't be easily understood by a 50 year old employee working at the local dollar general without a church background, you're probably doing it wrong. And I thought, man, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. What we're saying you say, oh, we, we shouldn't keep people dumb. We're not keeping them dumb. Do our people really need to know these big words? Do our people really need to know and be familiar with, with the Greek alphabet and the Greek language? No, no, they don't. And if our sermons and our, our, our talking and our witnessing, and we're banding around these big words or words that they're not familiar with, and that's a common part of our speech, maybe we shouldn't be engaged in teaching the common people. Maybe we should go to seminary where they bat around those kind of words. Maybe that's where you're best suited. But I hear over and over and over from people who read the Bible every day that they're encountering preachers that are over their head and they don't know what they're talking about. In the first few times I heard it, I'm like, Oh, come on, you know? And then I got to thinking, wait a minute, there's a lot of stuff. I don't make sense. So I go and listen to some of these guys and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what they're talking about either. Friend, we need to get back to the language of our people. So I've talked about <laughs> using big words. I've talked about, uh, the Greek. I've talked about using seminary words. I want to talk about, and this is really my pet peeve. You know, 
there's a time you need to explain the Greek and there's a time for saying, Hey, look, rather than saying all these four words, I'm just going to say ecclesiology, but here's something that I think is a real problem, especially in one segment of Christianity and that being the reformed segment. Now, when I ask you and you just go ahead and answer quietly, don't say it out loud. Your wife's probably in another room. She'll wonder what in the world you're thinking about, but if I said there were people in the Reformed Christian camp that were using words that you didn't understand unless you looked them up, what would you think? That's right. They're using Latin. I don't understand the fascination with Latin, except that it's popular in the echo chamber. You see, in the echo chamber where everybody's Reformed and everybody has the same high doctrines in view and everybody has the same uh, commentaries and everybody has the same hero, uh, preachers, Latin gets banded around a bunch, especially in the Presbyterian camp. And that spills over into the, uh, and, and the, well, you know, really any reformed camp tends to hang on to the Latin and that spills over into the reformed Baptist. And so that's where I encounter them is in the reformed Baptist camp. And I see so much Latin. And I really want to say sola, so what? I know what the five solas mean, but I didn't know what they mean the first time I heard them. Well, you need to get educated with the five solas. I don't think so. I think you need to put the five solas and five English statements and put them up. I don't have a problem with the glory of God alone. I don't have a problem with faith alone. I don't have a problem with scripture alone, but why do I need sola scriptura? Why do I need sola deo gloria or deo gloria? I don't even know how you say it right. Why do I need that? I remember talking to a preacher a few years ago. He was remodeling his sanctuary, small church, rural town. And he said, I'm really, really thinking about when we paint this, that I'm going to paint sola deo gloria on this side of the, the wall behind the pulpit. And on this side, I'm going to paint, uh, sola Christus. And in the back wall, I'm going to paint, uh, sola scriptura and sola fide. And I'm going to, I'm going to put on all walls are going to have a sola on them. And, and I, I said, how many of the people in your town speak Latin? And he said, I don't understand what you mean. I said, why, if a lost sinner stumbles into a church and he's looking for the truth and he walks in and you've put stuff in another language all over the walls. He instantly feels like he's not smart enough to be there. Why would you do that? Who were you impressing? Friend, this is silliness unless we're in our echo chamber. And then in the echo chamber, we'll carve these five solas into our pulpit. We'll, we'll even have pulpits with five legs on them. So we can have the five solas on five legs. What is going on here for crying out loud, men? I understand there was a reformation and I believe good came out of it, but you do realize the reformation was from Catholicism who had a Bible in Latin and preached in Latin and nobody understood Latin. So we had a reformation and the reformers said, let's bring back the Latin. It makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't understand it. 
And friend, I know some of you out there and you, you've probably had your cup full of meat. Most of you probably ain't listening. You've turned me off a while ago, but if you're still listening, let me plead with you from Sola Scriptura. Let me, let me use your own words on you. Let me plead from you, plead with you from the Bible in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, when Peter and the other disciples stood and preached, the people didn't hear them in Latin and Latin was a language of the day, the learned language of the day. The people didn't even hear them in Greek, the common language of the day. The people heard them in their own native tongue. When God did a miracle, he didn't give them a miracle of understanding. He gave them a miracle of hearing the gospel in the common known language of their day. And if you want a Greek grammar lesson, that word, that language there implies they not only heard it in the language from their their that they spoke in their native tongue, they heard it in their own dialect. In other words, if they for, were from South Carolina, they heard it with a Southern draw. If they were from Boston, they heard it with a Boston accent. God, in showing his power to be able to communicate the gospel to everyone, took the gospel preached of Peter and put it in the, in the native language of the people, even with their own dialect. Let me plead with you some more from Scripture alone. In Acts chapter 4, when the apostles were arrested and thrown in jail for preaching Christ, and they came out and laid charges against them, the men were preaching in Acts 4 back. It says the Sanhedrin, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, heard them and realized that these were ignorant and unlearned men. These guys were fishermen from Galilee. Uh, th these men are Galileans. Th they took notice of the fact these are a bunch of hillbillies. But the hillbillies confounded the wise. They didn't confound them. They didn't confound them with 50 cent words. They didn't confound them with their understanding that they picked up in a seminary. And I'm not ragging on seminary. Go and learn these things but come home and use the language of our people. If you can't take what you've learned and boil it down and put it on a backwoods level and give it to backwoods people in a way they can apply it, what good is it that you've learned? If you close every message you give with a little blurb of Latin, how is that helping the average person? I don't, I, I, guys, I'm being honest with you. I'm pouring my heart out. In Acts chapter 4, the Sanhedrin was shocked, not at the words they used, but at the understanding of what they had. What's going to impress people around you is not your command of the English language. It's not going to be the wide vocabulary you have. It's not going to be the big words that you've picked up in, in reading many books. What's going to impress them is that you can take the word of God and put it in a manner in which even the child can understand it and the doctor and the lawyer can marvel at it. That's what we should strive to do. We should strive to do that in our average ordinary language, even in our own conversation. Our language in the 
in the drugstore, our language in the grocery store, our language with the waiter or waitress when we go out to eat, our language on the assembly line with those that we work with, our language with the people that we talk to over the phone. It shouldn't be this, here's who we are, doctors, Christian. It should be this. This guy has a life that's in keeping with the word of God because he understands it. So I invite you, I encourage you. And you, I know many of you guys are super educated and, and you don't listen to this podcast because I'm beneath you. I get that, but I'm tired of hearing people who say, I can't find a preacher who can tell me what the Bible says. I can't find a preacher I can follow. I can't find a church that takes the Bible serious and yet still puts it on my level. One of the greatest compliments I ever got was from a pastor who said Harold Smith knows how to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. And I thought, you know what that means? That means I'm taking the good stuff of God's word, which all of it's good. I'm not saying there's some good and some bad. I'm able to take a portion of scripture and lay it out on the bottom where everybody can benefit from it. Friend, you can do that with a Southern accent. You can say worship instead of worship. The R's in there, and I pronounce it. I'm right. You're wrong. It's worship. Worship wars. Remember that. You'll get it right. I can say it all wrong. I can struggle with the English language. I can, I can butcher my pronunciations, but I can take it and put it in a language that people can understand. That's what I pray every time I stand to preach. Friend, I pray that's what you say every time you stand and preach. Maybe, maybe you've made too much of Latin. Maybe you've made too much of theologies. Maybe you've spent time, I, I don't even know how to say it, dissecting Greek verbs when you should have been preaching. Maybe it's time for you to get back to speak in the language of our people. I pray that you'd do that. I pray that you would um, rejoice and let your education feed you and nourish you and prepare you to preach to your people. But when the time comes to stand, you preach to them on the level that they're on. Thank you guys for listening today. I wanted to tell you that I will be preaching in Arkansas, in Nashville, Arkansas, the rest of the month. From now till about the end of January, I'll be preaching in Nashville, Arkansas, Bloomer, Arkansas, Plummerville, Arkansas, and Valonia, Arkansas. And uh, some of these will be one-day conferences. Some of them are ongoing revivals. Be preaching with several other pastors uh, in many of these meetings. But I would encourage you, if you're interested and you're in those areas, come out. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to fellowship with you. i uh, love to uh, introduce you to the churches and pastors in these areas. If you're not able to be in these meetings or nearby, pray for them. We need the Spirit's help as we seek to evangelize the lost and build up the congregations in our area. If you want to reach out to me, you can contact me at pastor Harold at att.net, or you can find me floating around Twitter at the backwoods Baptist Harold Smith. I don't get on there often, but from time to time I do. So shoot me a message or an email. I'll be glad to get back with you till next time. May God richly bless you 